uh, I think Elon Musk might be the biggest fucking mark in the history of the world. Just a guy who you go to if you have like a crazy science. If you fucking (laughs) if you have a face that says I love science, if you can sell that you love science and you have a crazy technological sci fi scheme that is going to cost someone and make you millions of dollars over the course of milking it for as long as you can. Elon Musk is the Afrikaner to see. Well, it's he's like a Brewster and Brewster's millions when he's like in his office and everybody just keeps bringing all the insane schemes to him <laughs> yeah. about putting like onboard motors on icebergs. And, yeah, exactly. And driving yeah. them down to the sedan. Yeah, uh, that's that's Elon Musk. That's you know he wants to make a Jurassic Park. That's what we're talking about. It's crazy. What's crazier is the fact that you insist on calling him Elon. <laughs> Over and over. Yeah, Ellen. Wa- Ellen. Ellen yeah, well. I can confirm. Is it not Elon Musk? <laughs> I think we've all agreed. I don't know. Elon? Elon? I don't. <laughs> I don't fucking it's care. Mr. Grimes to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, he's okay. So he really some he said or somebody said the guy who put a chip in a pig's brain said I'm gonna make <laughs> Jurassic Park. That's basically what he said. <laughs> Hell yeah. They're going to genetically engineer dinosaurs, really bring them to life, and recreate the events of the, the classic 1993 movie. Yeah. Well, basically, Elon, you can just... we got Elon here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can imagine. You know, the Tesla. I hate this hack of crap. This <laughs> Tesla just driving over the hillside. You know, <laughs> Grimes, she's in the seat. She's looking at some leaf, thinking about how she's going to turn it into her latest goth attire. <laughs> Elon stands up out of the sunroof of the Tesla, grabs Grimey's head, just turns it over in the wonder in her face. Do, 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 do. Big dinosaurs everywhere. Uh, <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah, and then it's beautiful. Uh, when the dinosaurs eat everyone but him, he'll be there saying, "Next time it'll be perfect." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, nothing's gone wrong with any of his previous projects, so I expect this one to go off without a hitch. Yeah, like yeah. when, <laughs> like you know, his rockets explode, but that's not what's going to happen to the dinosaurs. Well, Greg, the thing is, dinosaurs, that's future tech. Rockets are tech from the 1960s. Much harder to master 1960s (laughs) technology today. (laughs) Yeah, something, right, that is the big difference, right? Uh, Subways, tunnels that cars can drive through, rockets to the moon. These are all uh, long-mastered technologies uh, that actually exist. Cool. All right, well, that sounds great. Um, like it just you know start dreaming now. Like I mean, that's this is a whole career option for people. Just like be a guy who can pitch some fucking crazy megalomaniacal idea to Elon Musk and just live off it for the rest of your life. Well, just yeah, start reading science Think fiction. Of the people. And then yeah, seriously, then pitch the things, the plots from those. Dive books into. Cri- I mean, t- dude, dude, time travel. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> Fucking time Jurassic Park? Fuck that. Timeline. Go to uh Elon and be like, look, there's this book. There's this book I've read. (laughs) There's this book I've read uh that theorizes that we could travel through time uh if we just found a correctly placed wormhole. Um and all we would need to do is create um, molecular energy teleportation technology like from Star Trek. Yeah, we can do it. And sure. yeah. uh, just fall ass backwards accidentally into time travel. Every- Again, contingent on a perfectly placed uh, in space and time wormhole. Well, every, And then live uh, off that for the rest of your life. Just yeah. milk, you know, be the president of that company, collect a fat check. I haven't seen any of this stuff, so it sounds good to me. Like, I don't hear the problems. <sighs> yes, we told you to read Crichton like five minutes before we recorded. We should be done <laughs> with it. <laughs> well, every yeah, uh, very important, very important that you read the entire Crichton catalog. Okay. <laughs> well, that's if the you thing. really want to get with freak thought. 
Cassidy. That's very important. I know all the other men in your life are telling you to read David Foster Wallace. <laughs> Bullshit. Those those men are virgins. Okay? Yeah. The real Chad's got a whole shelf oh full of crate. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, The Lost World. Timeline. Andromeda Strain. <laughs> Eaters of the Dead. One. Eaters of the Dead, hell yeah. Eaters of the Dead's very good. Yeah. Cell? I think that was his last one. Yeah. But yeah, cool. I mean, the, the other important reason why you need to read all this, Cassidy, is yeah. the rags to riches tales of the new century are all going to be about spunky young upstarts who just read a lot of Crichton and are now pitching Ooh. it to the wealthy. Yeah. So <laughs> this is the future. This and most importantly, they want to kill God. That's what you have to remember. <laughs> yes. Well, that is, yeah, I mean, that, that goes without saying. Welcome to Mechanical Freak. We're broadcasting live from our rented luxury recording facility, a tiny carpet-covered storage unit at the Third Wheel Podcast Studio in sunny Seattle, Washington. That city of the future on the bleeding edge of neoliberal dystopia today, where graphic design is our passion. That's right. You're you're listening to the freaks, and we're almost all here, but Munya's not. So, what's up, y'all? Munya's Hi. living his best life in New York. In New York, right? <laughs> it's getting warm. It's yeah. also really late there. It is. Uh, yeah, we hate time zones. Well, yeah. he's living in the future. Time wow. zones are fascism. Uh, Did you see hi- that? There's like a DSA resolution going around, like to abolish time zones. Yes. Finally, yeah, DSA is getting into some important yeah. work. <laughs> yeah, that's how. Yeah, we, yeah. Need to, we need to go back to like the Wild West when the time was different. Literally, everywhere you went, just set by the town. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I think uh, DSA should do that, and I look forward to the Twitter fight and the breaking into factions over this time. <laughs> yeah, you know what? <laughs> really, this makes sense because if we the path to eradicating time zones leads right through that other uh, socialist project, getting rid of all the railroads. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because they're what gave us the time zone. So, makes sense to me. Uh, wow. So, guys, gang, Hi. friends, comrades, <laughs> later on in the episode, we are going to sort of refer back to last week's subscriber episode where uh cassidy told us all about her time doing wildcat organizing on the bernie campaign (laughs) and we're going to relate that a bit to um the what's happened in bessemer you know that's a story everyone's talking about um we have a particular sort of take uh on that based on sort of the reactions to critiques of the bernie campaign that um cassidy experienced we're going to get into that uh, in the second half of the episode, first we've got some a, uh, a potpourri, as Brian put it, uh, of stories uh, for you uh, that we think will delight your hearts. Uh, some of them local. Uh, so let's start out with this. Uh, oh, great! The Washington State Legislature has um, stepped up to finally, you know, get something done, <laughs> do their duty. Uh, sort of take the reins of government into their hands and apparently have um, legislated the end of the eviction moratorium so that uh, Inslee can't extend it any further. Am I getting this correctly? You are, Greg. They basically stuck an amendment into State Bill 5160 that says, I could read it right here, Uh, The eviction moratorium instituted by the governor of the state of Washington's proclamation uh, shall end on June 30th, 2021. Yeah, cool. So yeah, because like the uh, ability to just keep prolonging it, basically. right? Because it's been by uh, gubernatorial proclamation up until this point, and now they're writing it into law. Presumably, that's in some bill that he's going to sign because it has other shit in it. Uh, yeah, it does appear that it has gone through, but yeah. So and, and who knows what the bill's even about? I mean, that's probably even funnier, but yeah, I mean, how how could anyone know these things? Uh, the we've been pro, so we've been like everywhere. We've been postponing the sort of housing apocalypse for the last year. That date 
June 30th was he just recently extended it uh, a couple of weeks ago out to that date that I think ma- I think matches the federal one. And I know matches this. The Jenny Durkin also extended the city's moratorium out. Um, It could be that the word has gone around, you know, that the landlord lobby has sort of gotten the word around the country. And we'll see if it's not just here. But um, that could mean that that is going to be the start of our like total disintegration of 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 society yeah. into some like uh you know great depression level uh like so you know the jodes in their car uh sort well, of roaming the country okies like going from coast <laughs> to coast like looking for houses well if i can give a breaking update mm-hmm. it's now just come in what this bill is about okay so here's the uh, you know elevator speech summary. Uh, addresses landlord-tenant relations by providing certain tenant protections during and after public health emergencies, providing for legal representation in eviction cases, and authorizing landlord access to state rental assistance programs. So basically, if you want your legal representation in the case of eviction, uh, you also have to basically sign away the eviction ban. Uh, Wait a minute. Yeah. Um- what do I need re- legal representation and eviction for if there's if evictions are bad? <laughs> uh, we'll take that. No, don't sign that. No, that's keep the keep the eviction ban. Let's make it permanent. Fuck. Yeah, and I mean, like, I think that like maybe Inslee can like line veto it, maybe, but I don't like. Is he going to? Did he? I don't know. So yeah. And it looks like it's on his desk. I think everything is done except for him signing it. And, you know, I, I don't know exactly what the governor's powers are in this case. Yeah. And I mean, like, if it aligns with the Biden date, then I feel like, you know, it's just that's what it's going to be now is you can fall back on that. Um, and so that's just what he's going to say. And yeah, I don't see Biden doing anything for us. So no good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I guess uh, it's all a countdown to that, everybody. Countdown to June 30th when uh, evictions start en masse, presumably, unless uh, something comes along to interrupt that. Very exciting. Uh, also right here at home in Seattle, you know, another another uh, uplifting story. Actually, yeah, you know, a good, a good sort of bit of news. Um, Brian, did you want to tell us about this one? Oh, yeah. So basically, uh, the state actually did something good for a change, which was restored voting rights to convicted felons, which Hell yeah. uh, is one of those things that people think is ancient and ages old, but it's really like a product of the 80s and 90s war on yeah. drugs and whatnot. Yeah, but really should be thought of as a pretty astonishing um, thing. I mean, it's not in a like disenfranchising whole classes of people in America is not astonishing. But if you were to live in an actual democracy, taking away uh, the vote from anybody, you know, would probably be like a sacrosanct thing yeah. that couldn't happen. Well, the timeline is what makes it interesting. That's why it, all these laws getting passed to take away felons right to vote in states happening in the 80s and 90s is important because the Voting Rights Act was not very old at the time, mm-hmm. and voting rights had actually been restored for large portions of the population, uh, primarily black people in the country, and then were promptly then taken away via the uh, charnel house that is our prison industrial complex, uh, again, largely taking the vote away from black people. Uh, so it was this backdoor way of essentially uh, getting rid of the Voting Rights Act. Uh, yeah, of changing the terrain of white supremacy. So the funny part about this is uh, our own mayor, Jenny Durkin, decided to, to chime in on this uh, with her own post, letting us know that the right to vote is fundamental and that this bill affirms Washington's commitment to expanding access to democracy, while other states are focusing on limiting it. This is a good day for the 20,000 Washingtonians, 20,000 fucking people who will regain their right to vote and for democracy. Wow, what a beautiful sentiment. Some yeah, clap back against, uh, what, Georgia? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, clap back against Georgia 
What was Jenny's job again before she was married? <laughs> I'm, I'm racking my fucking brain. <clears throat> she is a prosecutor American. So, <laughs> Oh, that's right. She put a bunch of people behind bars for federal crimes like, uh, you know, pot possession and, and, and selling small amounts of weed. She uh, sent <sighs> up. She was the prosecutor on the very last uh felony marijuana case in, in washington County. state wow. or washington state even yeah i think it was yeah yeah so of that twenty thousand people who can't vote because of felony convictions jenny's responsible for a portion of that oh absolutely. Yeah. how many yeah who knows yeah love to see it though thanks thanks jenny <laughs> no thanks it's it's out. it's all about the good tweet right i mean mm-hmm. i'm just purely cynical right proximity law the politics there. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yep. Yep. So did we really just pass this to dunk on red states? Is that what happened? Uh probably. I mean it's it an, is, an accidental good. Yeah, basically. it is good, but uh I'm just curious. That's it. I mean, I'm guessing it's a bill that's been uh sitting around the state legislature for a long time but yeah. who knows yeah that makes sense as much sense to me as anything that yeah like, we should uh, not be shocked if they're opportunistic about it like absolutely yeah or that like some liberals who don't give a shit some you know centrist right liberals who don't give a fuck democrats uh you know were convinced to get on board in this moment as a again a, just a sort of culture war clap back against georgia uh again a noble one a good thing to yeah, do definitely but uh you know <laughs> i'm not i'm not that impressed well uh it should be noted groups around the country have been trying to get these laws overturned in various states uh god for about two or three decades now oh, yeah. and so in that sense uh we'll take the win even no, if we it's love for to all see the wrong it. reasons yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Now all we need is anybody to vote for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, like to know it's you know you get your voting rights as soon as you get out of um, you know prison or whatever. And so we also need to talk about like the fact that why are people getting their right taken away at all? Like yeah, yeah, yeah of course, yeah. Um, that that's how that many people go far enough, yeah how, how many people are felons like in prison right now in washington state that don't get to vote mm-hmm. still so yeah just think about that that's all cool <laughs> yeah all right cool. so <laughs> yeah but yeah um okay so uh you know wow. it's been a while since we've checked in with uh one of our sort of favorite seattle characters ex-chief international mercenary <laughs> Uh, universal for hire talking head and sort of policing apologist, uh, strong woman leader, uh, <laughs> Carmen Best, everybody. Girl boss. Girl yeah. boss. Slay nope. queen. <laughs> yeah, literally sometimes. Yeah. Oh my God. She, uh, yeah, she was on MSNBC this week as a special expert correspondent or expert talking head on the issue of police brutality. Oh, well, I mean, if anyone would know. <laughs> yeah. It would you Having been so the bad. PR flick flack for a, uh, having been the, P- having been the PR flack for a major metropolitan police department for so many years. And then the chief, she knows about it from both sides, the lying about it to the public <laughs> and the ordering it to happen. Oh. <laughs> She's like, a, a, a you know, tail to snout kind of, yeah we got the whole pig right here (laughs) so yeah she was on msnbc commenting on the chauvin trial and was of course aghast that these police officers would act in such a brutal manner just as much as we are about you know kneeling on the neck until he's dead of course many people brought up that like SPD regularly does this, including during the very protests for George Floyd. SPD was doing this, getting caught on film, doing this all the time, of which, of course, she said was all okay and good. And in fact, the SPD should have been more brutal during the protests. Of course, it's all hypocritical. It's all cynical. It's all whatever. But I just I just love to see, uh, yes, a strong woman leader doing well. So uh, (laughs) hooray for Carmen. Good job. 
get get that money. Yeah, like we need to hear this girl boss like giving her expert analysis. Um, because like as someone who went to the protest, I can definitely tell you she's she's an expert in that police brutality for sure. So, all right, well, let's hear uh, what she has to say here. Very clearly and emphatically, you know, we all heard him. You know, a man proned out, handcuffed behind his back, lying face down on the ground, and for the former officer showing at the time uh, to have his <laughs> knee on his back it, with that level of force for that length of time. She won't even say absolutely neck. unreasonable, unethical, un- and uh, really outside of their policy. So I think that makes it very clear. It's very rare uh, to have a chief uh, testify in this fashion, uh, and so I think that really does hold a lot of weight. And in regards to uh, turning the corner on reform. As you know, uh, since the death of uh, the killing of George Floyd, there have been a number of people. The whole world has been watching to see what happens and certainly is critically important um, for all of law enforcement. I mean, what comes out of this case can change the trajectory of policing in this country. So it's critically important. So that is our uh, <sighs> former police chief. Yeah. So I, th- I think what she said, you know, it is critically important for the future of law enforcement. And that future is one of two things in this case. It's either a limited hangout of uh, Derek Chauvin, where they send him up the river and then, you know, thus uh, cleansing all American police departments in his in his blood, metaphorical only until he gets shipped in prison. But I, I don't see that happening. Or they all get to wash their hands of all of American policing through the voices of the uh, police department in question. In Minnesota and through people, spokespeople for policing like Carmen Best, now a national spokeswoman for American policing, uh, get to wash their hands of the situation uh, when Derek Chauvin ultimately isn't convicted. Either one of those things, this is just, uh, you know, this is just an exercise in putting this away without any change, getting to act, you know, very like distraught with this murder that uh they wish they'd done themselves mm. well i think too what you're seeing is how the you know police and the media work hand in hand and that you have her talking uh very <laughs> for a for a pr person ineloquently <laughs> about uh you know this this thing happened we all saw it uh it's very bad and then she wanted to say or she was taking herself down the road saying and the whole world noticed and stood up and like said, hey, what happened to George Floyd is bad. But then maybe remembering, oh, and also in one in a major city in the United States, I was the person who organized the crushing of that protest yeah. <laughs> brutally leading to the death of multiple individuals. Um, it, you know, it really is fucking astonishing. I, you know, what, what can you say at this point other than the fact that uh, that this is our future. It's just this forever. But yeah, uh, it really is. I mean, as evidence, uh, sort of, uh, you know, turning to something more serious now, uh, you know, someone was killed. What? This is just last night. Yeah. Yeah. This was actually in, last night in, in Minnesota. Yeah. In a suburb of Minneapolis, uh, called like Brooklyn place. Yeah, mere miles from the trial. Yeah, a man named Dante Wright was uh, murdered by police in a you know routine traffic stop that tr- you know triggered by I think some like bench warrant over three hundred some dollars in fees or something. Yep, and uh, he was killed. You know, this is has sent um, people into the streets in Minneapolis and, uh, you know, solidarity with all of them. Look, I mean, there's not a lot to say about it other than that it's a murder. Um, we don't need to, like, uh, review all the details. The one thing that I want to say is, you know, what they're coming out with as of this morning, this police department is saying that uh, the officer who murdered uh mr wright meant to use her taser but actually put like a nine millimeter in him and this is uh real interesting because it prompts people all over the internet as i've seen to 
to clap back at the police saying things like just just a text of one tweet i saw among many many uh is this call me crazy but if you can't tell the difference between your own taser and a real actual gun you should have neither and the thing is i agree with that sentiment because I don't think the cops should have guns. Well, the actual point of that sentiment is if you're willing to shoot somebody with either one of those things, you shouldn't have either. Which yeah. Is, yeah. You know. Yeah. And that's true. These are all true. Yes. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But it's all bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing is, even getting to this argument about the like owning the cops by saying, well, like, oh, uh, you know, you can't be trusted uh, because of how dumb you are for confusing a taser and a real gun folks it's bullshit they're yeah. just lying it's yeah. just exactly. a fucking lie do not get yeah, into don't these entertain fucking... that yeah exactly there mm-hmm. is no reason to entertain this bullshit about mistaking a gun for a taser this is a one of their like long tested lies it's a legal defense strategy to keep this cop from facing any repercussions it's just a way for them to say this was not uh this was just an accidental discharge not a murder well there was no there's no motive here there's no uh there's no intent to to murder to kill to harm this person there's no intent to use a weapon so it's really just like a training and disciplinary thing (laughs) that you know they need to uh you know, they need more like gun safety courses or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, if you think it's like more likely that a cop like mistook their gun for or their taser the other way around than like uh, then a cop lying. It's like, obviously, it's more likely that a cop is lying. Yeah. Hello. They're yeah. just like, full of shit. Yeah. Just don't even get into I mean, these fucking arguments yeah. with the cops. Police like, are liars. They're not to be trusted. We've been saying this for a while. You don't that. have to believe yeah. anything they say when they yeah. come out with some reason why someone is dead at their hands you can just discount it blanket and this is yeah. a stupid one it's been used many times before well, john the, t williams same yeah. fucking right. thing yeah. oscar yes. grant same yeah. thing oscar grant same uh, shit they say this it's always bullshit it's bullshit mm-hmm. every time and i have people clapping back at me online saying well, watch the video where the the pig says taser 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 as pulling out her cop great uh, th- this changes my mind not at all so yeah. fine now i understand that it was absolutely a premeditated enough murder that mm-hmm. uh sh- she was thinking of her legal defense ahead that she's discussed with other cops okay about how when you've mm-hmm. decided mm-hmm. you're going to point your weapon and pull the trigger to murder someone when really you shouldn't yeah she's a- covering a one herself. tactic yeah. you might do fine do i have any evidence do i do I know the mind of the cop? Can I see inside this pig's soul and know what she was thinking? How fucking dumb she was? Is she stupid enough to confuse her? People are online talking about the fucking weight of the taser versus the Glock. <laughs> oh my God. Fuck off. If you're in They're that argument, you've lost. Fucking yeah. lying. Tell them to fuck off. Do not come at me with this bullshit. They are fucking lying. I don't give a shit what she said. I don't have to take the word. It's not even the facts. My God, it's not even what they're saying. When they kill someone, you can just discount 100% of everything that comes out of not just the cop, not just their fellow cops or and their PR department and their chief, not just the fucking DA, every fucking cop in the country and whatever, and their fucking blue lives matter apologists who say fucking anything you could just write it the fuck off it doesn't matter they are out there to kill people and they lie routinely every day they have no credibility it doesn't matter what this idiot cop said fuck off yeah it's interesting i mean the new york times article on the story brings up multiple other incidents where this exact same thing has happened showing that this is not uh, a random thing that happens and also mentions that multiple of the other incidents they shout taser before shooting and all i could say is for the average cop brain which is about as smart as you know like a 13 year old boy who's decided he's into libertarianism they literally just doing the south park defense they're just doing the right. it's coming right for us and yeah firing yep. Yeah. You know, and I guarantee you that this is probably some joke they have of like, oh, before you shoot somebody, just make sure you yell taser. At yeah, them, they you know? probably think it's real funny. Yeah. And that's the reality. That is the reality. Again, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like we're now that we've agreed this is all a lie. We can sort of 
have fun picking this apart. Uh, and yeah, like it's a, but again, you can just discount it altogether. You know, you can, we could also throw in the knowledge, Brian, you were saying that last night, mm-hmm. uh, before they got with the lawyers this morning, what were they saying? Yeah. The, from reporters on the ground last night, right after this happened, who presumably were talking with the police, right? Cause they're giving a chain of events of what happened. They were claiming that the officers at that time were saying, oh, the suspect you know, reached or jumped back into the car and they thought that they were trying to get a gun or something, so they shot him. Right. And, in which case, which would be a defense <laughs> yeah. in a cop's mind for using a gun. Yeah. Uh, someone flinched toward a dark area where it might – that would be a perfect – that's like an air t- – to a cop and to our legal yeah. system, that's a fucking airtight reason well, between, to execute someone on the last street. Last night and this morning, they obviously talked to the police PR yeah. department and talked to the city, and they came up with a different defense that they're going to go with. Yeah, they said, oh, which is this. wait, you said taser, taser, taser? Oh, great. Let's go with that one. Yeah. We can always fall back on the other thing if that's, you know, if that doesn't work, won't, we won't have to. Anyway, uh, again, that's all... I really wanted to say about that. I mean, I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts on this story. I mean, it's just uh, one of you just know, like dozens big, of these things all the time. Big fuck you to Joe Biden. I don't know if you heard like his comments today. Oh but my just, God, you know, Just the typical like, you know, let's wait and see. It was an accident. Yep. But like, no, no to looting. Never looting. And it's just like, mm-hmm. dude, no fuck you. No excuse to looting and violence. Yeah. No excuse oh, to looting violence so unless gross. the police are doing it. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like so. Then, like, when is the excuse? Because, like, mm-hmm. like I think people are just done. You know, like, what a concept. Yeah, yeah. This summer is going to be uh, real interesting, folks. Yeah. yeah, and I think people should really prepare themselves because the actual odds-on, you know, thing that's going to happen in the Chauvin trial is he's walking. Yep. It is extremely yep. unlikely he's getting convicted, and people, I think, are pouring a lot into this because they're really dragging this trial out and making a meal out of it. They're but making a meal out of it. There's an extremely likely chance. I think the most likely chance yeah. is he walks. Yeah. There's a possibility that they do a limited hangout here and they yeah. send him up. And that's possible. And that could be what all this setup is about. But yeah, most likely you're watching. This is about giving all these people a chance to say oh yeah discuss this is awful the police department they all the chief want dude they don't testify in this shit Mm. they're all going up there to wash their hands of it to show to cleanse the Mm. image of the police department to to sever it from Derek Chauvin but that can all be accomplished without him getting convicted because they're doing it they're up on the stand there and Karen Bess is on TV so once that's all done once they've all showed how disgusting they are then it's not their fault anymore then it's the then it's the court you know then it's just this one judge this you know and like that's not a thing that needs to be or can be reformed right like that's just this one uh, we'll, we'll people will be saying for the next 20 years gosh that judge and that jury Really botched that trial. Mm-hmm. Oof, poof, boy. Oof. Golly, you know? Yeah. Barf. It's, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Well, that sucked. That really <laughs> sucked. Okay. Um, but we don't want to dwell on that too, too long. Um, we want to get into... Uh, talking about you know another another real downer of a story maybe and not yeah. the same kind of uh, viscerally uh, revolting way. Um, it's a story that is going to be on the lips and keyboards of you know the entire sort of left wing press in America, and that is the failure of the uh, Bessemer Union Amazon Union vote. Um, to that end, we don't want to you know sort of litigate all the ins and outs of it it's a big story there's a lot of good reading to be done uh we'll be calling out some of that um what we do want to do is talk about sort of some elements of it because they sort of really seem to relate and reflect a conversation that uh i had with cassidy uh last week on our subscriber episode about cassidy's time uh, doing wildcat organizing on the Bernie campaign. And we talked a little bit about how, uh, you know, that relates to uh, some certain analysis of the failures of the Bernie campaign. I encourage you to go check that out uh, from our Patreon page. Uh, that's really powerful. You know, that's content you're not going to get 
anywhere else. These stories are not out there. Behind the um, paywall. It's they gotta are, be. They <laughs> have not there no one else has written about this. No, we we, no. we did cite in that and we linked in that um episode to the Jacobin article b- that was written by your friends, Cassidy, Ben and Mia, right? Yes. Um, uh that that you did some of the work on as well. Um that talks about sort of uh, a certain critique from people who worked in on the field campaign in Iowa about the failures of the Bernie campaign. But that part of the story is out there. But the part about the uh, wildcat organizing in the Bernie campaign is not out there. So that's on the Patreon. Now that relates to uh, the Bessemer Union drive and its failure. And another sort of big organizing push uh, not as big in scale as the Bernie campaign, but very possibly even larger in its implication. Yeah, totally. Uh, though maybe not uh, in a way if it had won. As a loss, yeah, maybe yeah. not. It's not because, I mean, it can be attempted again. Um, we don't have to wait four years. Yeah. Uh, but that's a com- that's complicated terrain. So uh, we want to highlight just a few sort of elements of this. So Cassidy, I mean, why don't you start us off with your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, look, I think that first off, you know, when we found out that um, they lost the union vote, like that was a huge fucking bummer. And the the first reaction, um, which is like the most obvious reaction is like, fuck Amazon. They fucked the organizers. They fucked the workers. Um, And is that true? Absolutely. Like we know that um, they tipped the scales and... The thing is, though, is like we knew this was going to happen. And um, like that's like one of the biggest similarities with the Bernie stuff is like after Bernie dropped out and there was a lot of like post analysis of the campaign, like a lot of the analysis focused on like, you know, obviously um, the center and like Joe Biden, they all consolidated behind Biden. Um, But the reality is, is like we all knew that like the establishment in the center was going to fuck Bernie over. We didn't know how it was going to happen, but we knew that that they were going to fuck him over in some way. And so like the question is like, whether it's union organizing or like, you know, organizing for the Bernie Sanders campaign or any other thing that we're doing, like we know no matter what we're working towards, like someone is working against us. Like we know that no question. So we can talk about that all day. Like we can talk about how Amazon fucked them and how like they did the thing with the stoplight and, you know, they put the mailbox there and all this sort of shit. But like we knew that was going to happen. And so like we have to look at the like what organizing strategies and what work did and didn't happen. Um, Like whether that be on the Bernie campaign or in Bessemer. And so Like, that's where I really have the shared experience is that, like, whether it be Jane's article talking about what happened and what didn't happen in Alabama or, like, Mia and Ben's article or, like, when we talked about the stuff that happened with the union organizing, like, there was a lot of pushback on that, Um, which it's just, like, we can't do that if we want to win, you know? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot – there's a resistance to hearing – uh critiques exactly yeah so um like uh, so i guess maybe if we wanted to i think the biggest similarity between like the bernie campaign and what happened in alabama is you know because there's a lot of different pieces we could talk about like you know their strategy on the hard ask or like what they did for union talking about union dues and stuff like that but i think like their biggest failure was the refusal to knock doors. Um, so if we wanted to just like read that part really quick from. Yeah. So like, well, like, you know, even prior to that, like, I mean, there's a, there's sort of a meta commentary to be made here about the need to have these critiques, the need to be able to look at, at one, you know, on one hand, stand in solidarity with those workers and organizers in Alabama uh, and not not sit in judgment of them, not um, cast aspersions on the job they did, uh, the hard work they tried to do there. But at the same time, you can and we must in solidarity with those efforts. It's it, it, it's impossible to avoid the absolute need to look upon these things and critique them for future efforts. Like we have to do with the Bernie campaign. We have to do with this. So one, 
like, yeah, major critique that's been put out that uh, is very good, I think, um, is this uh, Jane McAlevey, Jane McAlevey's article, sort of, you know, one of the sort of deans of union organizing in contemporary America is out in the nation. And uh, yeah, Colin, you want to read Cassidy's selection here? Yeah. So it says working a campaign from from the vantage point of the plant gate is another tactic that successful organizers never use. Why? Because the employer is watching. That holds for all employers, let alone Amazon, a company that actually develops surveillance systems. The last thing nervous workers want is to be seen near the place they work, talking with union supporters. Successful campaigns require house calls, unannounced physical visits to workers' homes, so the conversation can be had away from the company's watchful eye. In an interview in The American Prospect, an organizer in the Amazon campaign explained that they were not house calling because of the COVID pandemic. But in a hard-to-win campaign, you should put on a mask, ring the doorbell, have your sanitizer dangling from your chest or in your hands so it's obvious, and step back and engage the worker socially distanced, but securely. This very issue, thinking COVID meant no door door knocking, also came up early in the Biden campaign after Sanders withdrew and the pandemic was intensifying. And Biden aired early on, later making a course correction when he realized how tight the election was. Similarly, in articles about the hard-to-win Georgia Senate runoff races, voting rights organizers were clear they had to pound the pavement, get in their cars, and make house calls to every voter face-to-face despite the pandemic. They put on masks and visited voters by the tens of thousands. The most comprehensive academic research on successful unionization by Kate Bronfenbrenner, director of labor research education at Cornell University, makes an irrefutable case for house calling. Yet, the Bessemer organizers declared that they were relying on digital strategies. The union also reports that, other than standing at plant gates, the primary way organizers made contact with workers was calls from other unions across the country, phoning Bessemer Amazon workers. There is no substitute for house calling in a hard campaign, period. And so, like, here's the thing. Yeah, like, I don't want to get too, too into this, but whether you read that or you read, like, the article that my friends me and Ben put together after the Bernie campaign or, like, these other articles that she's talking about for Georgia Senate runoff or Biden race, like, all that sort of stuff, the reality is, is, like, deep organizing is the only way we are going to win. And, like, that is a very realistic um, critique to have. And it's so fucking simple also. And that's why it's so infuriating is it's just, like, Literally, the the answer is just to talk to people, but instead people think like, oh, digital strategies and distributed organizing and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then it's, what bullshit. Hap- it's bullshit. And then what happens is that people call it out in good faith, like myself, like Mia, like Ben, like Jane. And what happens is... We get shit on for it. So Dave Jameson with Huffington Post talked to Stuart Applebaum with RWDSU, who's the union who was working to organize these workers. And he said, boy, he is steamed up um, with the postmortem on the Amazon campaign. We never anticipated that people on the left would be doing Amazon's work for them by saying the problem was the union. And it's just like, fuck you, dude. Like, we're not saying the problem is the union. And when people say shit like that, it's just so infuriating because, yeah, like, Jane, like, she's coming in good faith trying to help so that, like, the next time we organize at a warehouse, like, we can actually do it effectively, you know? Like, that's not a bad thing and that's not an attack on the union. And that's just saying, like, we need to fucking do better. I mean, well, it's it's not an attack on the union. It's attack on whatever consultant brain dickhead. Right. Like convinced this, these people. Like this Apple bomb these, dude. These like, union workers and these workers trying to unionize who, uh, you know, put in enormous amounts of work. But we're ultimately led astray. And that's just the reality. You just have, yeah. we just ha- we have to look at that. We can stand right. in solidarity with these people, but we can also critique. We have to learn from this. Mm-hmm. I say we, I mean, but like, but yeah, fuck this guy. I mean, this is a good maybe point to say, you know, I was out knocking doors fucking yesterday yeah. for uh, the Nikita for nine campaign. Which four uh, months ahead of the election, can I say? Like, yeah, way out mm-hmm. from August. That's deep uh, organizing, by the this, way. I got to feel, I mean, 50 fucking people plus showed up That's yesterday huge, yeah. to knock in like Lake City area, Maple Leaf Lake City. 
Um, yeah, months, months out. I, I'm going to say probably the only campaign in America, probably the first campaign for the off year 2019 uh, wherever they're happening in America that's knocking doors right now for mm. that election cycle. New, I mean. So New York actually has been going hard for a while, but that's because their election is in like May. So Right. Yeah. yeah. But They've yeah, got, yeah. but I mean yeah. for the, a primary cycle that, that then ends in November. And, right. Yeah. I don't think there's any uh, other campaign out there doing that. Ran into a uh, sucker out there, a Brian with a Y who oh. literally recognized my voice. That is the weirdest wow. thing that happens to us, but it does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that's a campaign that I think might just fucking win. No, and here's the I mean, thing. Forget, forgetting the fact that there's a good candidate who people like for good reason right, in but, Nikita Oliver and the others are freaks and psychos. But guess but they're what? They're out there fucking knocking doors. No, being a good candidate, guess what? It's not, it's enough. not fucking good enough. It's not enough. That's not why enough. Bernie it, Sanders it lost. What like, I think the thing... And okay. sa- no, but same with Amazon. It's like all of us know, like you can look at it so easily and be like, obviously these workers are exploited. Like obviously they deserve a union, but guess what? It's not enough. Like, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you are right or if your candidate is the best. Like we are That's going fucking to- lib thinking. Exactly. That's Democrat it's, brain. Exactly. Fuck off with that along yeah. with the digital so, strategy shit. Exactly. And so like, you know, someone like Nikita, like obviously it is no question when you look at the candidates, you know, all together, like they are the best candidate, but you're not going to win unless you fucking do that organizing in your community months ahead of time. It's not going to be by posting on Twitter. Now, is that how they're going to get some volunteers? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like that is a, what digital strategies is. But like when yeah. coming on the mechanical freak podcast is not going to bring in the co- <laughs> vo- any votes for Nikita Oliver, but it, it might, might get bring some in fundraising fucking volunteers. Right. It might get some democracy might vouchers. Get, might get another hundred doors knocked. I don't know. Absolutely. No. But here's the thing is like the difference between like good digital strategy and bad. And like, I know you guys probably don't care about this, but like it's all ask or not. And the difference is Nikita's using like Twitter to make ass to get people to go fucking like organizing their communities where did were we seeing shit about what was happening in Alabama on Twitter absolutely but were there any ass like were there any like hey yeah. let's go door knock let's go do this I never saw shit but like well, I I assumed that was just happening do you know what I mean and so I think yeah. this is a really good lesson to all of us to remember that just because there's excitement online does not mean that what's mm. happening on the ground is actually effective and working well, you know, speaking that of, happens like, not, all the fucking time. You well, know, I, I this think, guy's was saying that yeah. the that McAlevey's calling out the union or something, right? They're pretty clear, she had this fucking written. Sure, okay. right. yeah. Like this, yeah. she Mac Jane McAlevey was watching this. Jane McAlevey she knew, knew yeah. exactly what right. was and wasn't yeah, so happening, like, and wasn't saying shit. Because, and was letting them yep. fucking you do, know, do it yep. and stay out of their way and not doing Amazon's work, which fuck you, you already yeah, lost. Right? Like the work's done. I like, know. Saying you fucked up doesn't isn't going to hurt the next fucking Amazon yeah. union drive. It's going to help. What exactly. Are you saying, I was going to say, getting into sort of actual sort of nuts and bolts about this, I mean, when you bring up the point of uh, if you want to have a digital strategy, you should make ass instead of just cheerlead. And part of the reason for that is it's not just like, oh, we want people to go do stuff. People have to think about the actual psychology of what you're asking people to do, right? When you ask somebody to do something for you, you're asking them to make a deeper commitment, right? You are creating a deeper commitment for them, a deeper connection between them and that candidate, meaning that even when the bad press comes, and this is part of why you have to have these in-person strategies, is you can never count on having good press. If you're trying to organize a union or if you're Bernie Sanders, you better start from the beginning knowing you're not getting good press. No, and that's the thing. Bernie fucking Sanders thinking that like they could, you know, shift from a deep organizing model to a model where it was mm-hmm. just like a couple volunteers but mostly mailers and media yeah. for Bernie fucking Sanders like are it's you joking that's not gonna work yeah. it's, and it's, so yeah so my friend Mia she when she saw this take from the RWDSU guy she like was very upset um, and it was very yeah. triggering because yeah when she wrote this um, article last year after Bernie the dropped Jacobin out article. the Jacobin we'll article to it again. um 
basically like the DC staffers came after her on Twitter. Um, and so she tweeted, uh, this is so fucking embarrassing. Jane has decades of union organizing experience. Maybe have some respect for that before you essentially call her thoughtful analysis and Amazon operative gross. This is exactly like the losers from the Bernie campaign who had hour long meltdowns when field staff pointed out some internal organizing failures, get off your defensive high horse and continue or continue getting your asses kicked. I can't emphasize this enough. The less, the left has got to get over their desire for a pat on the back and good vibes only because they fought a hard struggle. An article is not left in fighting or an attack. We need to stop being babies and about critique just because the work we did was hard. I was I literally will never forget after spending months knocking doors in negative 20 degrees, living off of four hours of sleep, being told by fellow campaign staff that our analysis was not worth hearing. Our experience was not qualified for critique. Embarrassing is all I have to say. Um, and yeah, like this is the exact same thing is it's just like the defensiveness all because you know like look you fucking worked hard you fought like we're not taking that away from you but the reality is is like we lost and so we Mm -hmm. can either bitch about amazon for the next 10 20 years or we can look at ourselves and be like guess what we didn't fucking knock doors like i'm sorry but come on like what is I, it's a classic That's example. Stupid. You might have worked hard, but you worked hard doing the wrong thing, right? Yeah. And, and the important thing about acknowledging that is not to test test people, but it's to not do it again, right? And I, again, I think it's understanding to the psychology of the situation in the sense that when you're talking about an Amazon warehouse worker, you're talking about somebody who's already broke, right? Or else they wouldn't yeah. be a fucking Amazon yeah. warehouse yeah. worker. And the thing is, the company has total control over their fucking livelihood. And you are asking them to take an enormous fucking risk. And in asking them to do that, again, you're not going to get that commitment through tweeting. No. You're only going to get that commitment through face-to-face interactions where you create deep personal relationships with people, which is why when you talk to people who are in successful organizing drives, they have very strong relationships with the people they organized with, right? They're the people they go to barbecues with and go to their funerals and go to their weddings. It's solidarity. It's not voting with your fucking dollar. Yeah. Yeah, this this is not being a consumer. Yeah, this is creating an community. Yeah, you're creating a social relationship. You're creating a... Or you're not doing it. Yeah. And I I think people don't want to do that because it's scary because we live in an atomized society and we feel vulnerable and all that kind of stuff. But that is the work that has to be done. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. No, and I mean, look, like the reality, again, like no question, we need the PRO Act and Amazon fucking sucks. But we need to be able to win even if the PRO Act doesn't pass and even if Amazon sucks. Do you know what I mean? Like, And so if those conditions don't change, the only thing we can do is be better as organizers. And so that, yeah, I mean... and the reality is, you know, <laughs> honestly, without some strong union power, look, there's a good chance the Senate isn't passing the PRO Act. No, right? that's like, what I mean. And I it's mean, like, we, so no, everybody's like, if, I'm not if hold your my analysis yeah. of this situation is we need to pass the PRO Act, I'm just like, We're okay, fucked. true, yeah. but good fucking luck. And like, have yeah. you signed up for a phone banking shift? Probably not. So fuck you. Yeah. Like, I mean, come yeah. on. And the other part of it is that some of the things Ugh. Amazon did, like with the fucking mailbox or whatever, are fucking illegal now. So making things illegal in the future and being like, well, then they won't do them is foolish. That's what I mean. It's like we have to be able to win regardless of what they do. Exactly. We know companies power or you don't. (laughs) You either have the power to get the PRO Act passed and make it enforced by, I don't know, putting all communists on the uh, NLRB (laughs) and the FBI. Like you either have the power to do that or you don't. And the only way you do that is to build that power. I suspect the the um, pro act is not going to pass, and I think that's as I was saying last week. Like, I think that's going to be a mo- going to have to be a moment for anyone thinking about you know currently organized labor or doing in the future to think like, well, we just have you know we have to look at this another way. Like, it, because ultimately, like, yeah, anytime you have these these laws that you pass can always be turned against you. They can always sure. be used to if you're if you're a union. Even the notion, even the basic notion of like the union drive under the current system, the sort of watered down Wagner Act uh, NLRB system is about and what what the hope for the PRO Act would be is about doing what would frank is frankly the bare minimum amount of organizing 
and then that gets you past this legal threshold that then gets the power of the federal government to come and back you up to protect you from uh, uh, retaliation and uh, to help you, you know, to ratify your contract. And that's a pretty weak system as it is. Even that fails. But even when it succeeds, ultimately, you, you haven't organized to take power in your workplace. You've organized just enough to get back up from a federal government who, in your best case scenario, is very amenable to your side because of the, poli- you know, whatever, the state of politics. And maybe that has to do with overall union power in the country. But that's pretty low right now. But what you got to know is that at the end of the day, you're always asking for the federal government to come back you up. And that means you're asking you're you're imagining yourself doing a bare minimum of labor organizing. A better way to look at labor organizing in the 21st century, I have a feeling is going to be saying is going to be going to have to be organizing uh, such strong solidarity among workers that you don't need the federal government to back you up or doing that to such for long enough to such an extent that labor power is built to the point that it controls enough of the federal government that it can enforce those things. But either way, it's a double edged sword. I don't know. Well, the strongest periods of labor organizing in this country were done when literally every aspect of labor organizing was illegal. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the question of whether something's legal or illegal is, purely academic if in you don't this country the, like i yeah. know for real right it's purely <laughs> academic if you don't yeah. consider the power relationships and yeah you know to give you know maybe a different sort of view on that to just drive the point home uh you know in the new york police department it was against regulations to put that chokehold they put on eric carter right. and fucking killed him because they killed so many people doing exactly that you know what never came up and never you know was the fact that it was it doesn't fucking matter the only thing that fucking matters is whether or not people in power want to enforce regulations and laws we have labor laws now that are on the books and are violated regularly and openly companies can't retaliate against labor organizing by shutting plants down and moving them they do it all the time they say it openly (laughs) that that's what they're doing and nothing happens so that so the issue is it's the question's deeper than just getting laws passed. We actually are going to have to form, and I know this is scary, human relationships with our fellow workers Spooky. and build solidarity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's our yeah. only yeah. It's scary. Only and that is not going to happen through digital, digital strategies. organizing. Yeah. Digital str- if digital strategies <laughs> can't even get you anywhere near the bare minimum of organizing to qualify you for the like threshold that activates the largesse of uh, an indifferent federal government, Mm -hmm. then it cannot actually build the solidarity and organization required to take power in your workplace, much less fucking America. And you guys, you got to listen to this Patreon episode about the Bernie campaign, because this is literally what fucking happened, Yeah, which is they switched to digital strategies, and all digital strategies does is get consultants paid. And a lot of consultants got paid on that campaign. Well, and what it does and is, yeah. And, and it, did they, it cut did out they the do labor. That? Did the, they do yeah. that specifically <laughs> t- to cut out labor? Because labor was organizing, because yes. having unionized labor <laughs> because was Cassidy so was on the campaign yeah. to them, uh, there's a case to be made that that is actually <laughs> yeah. really what happened. Yeah. I mean, you can attribute the strategy also to just the uh, sort of default inertia of Democrat consultant brain, like Absolutely. worming its way up the fucking nostrils and ear canals of uh, the people running that campaign. But there is an ultimate – there is a a strategy revealed in there that looks like uh, 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 labor punishment. No, like let me give a quick example of like when it works and when it doesn't. Just an example of the Bernie campaign. Uh, the Bernie Journey campaign that they did, like which was all on digital to get people to go to Iowa – 
Like right. that is a that success. Is that is a successful digital strategy that like, the, you know, they, big you know, they didn't like do a bunch. I mean, I'm sure they like did some texting and phone banking, but it was mostly just like Jack posting on Twitter being like, yeah, like we need people to come to Iowa, fucking do it. And people did it. You know what I mean? Um, but digital like digital should be like a tool in your strategy, but like digital should mm-hmm. not be your strategy, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it becomes a strategy because it's easy and consultants could get paid for it. But it, you know, yeah. Yeah, and you get to, yeah, you get to cut out cuts labor. Out labor. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And I mean, let's be serious. It's fun. I would much rather post than walk through cold ass fucking Iowa knocking on doors. I, I would any rather knock on doors. Iowa anytime. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love knocking on doors. But like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like there is a role for digital. Like, again, I mean, I think of like the marquee campaign. They did really well with it. But like they their whole thing was like if you interacted with one of their memes, like they were DMing you being like, hey, you're signing up for a phone bank shift. Do you know what I mean? Like. You can't just like, yeah, yeah. it's just, uh, it's really disappointing. <sighs> yeah. Again, solidarity with the people who tried to organize, um, you know, in Bessemer. Um, I'm sorry. Absolutely. Yeah. This didn't work out. I'm sorry that you were let down by whoever told you digital strategy by this, this asshole yeah. who was clapping back. I mean, we can just say, fuck that guy, whoever else. You know, but certainly no, but here's the gross part. And like, here is why it's so important for people to call this shit out is it's like and I'm I'm not basing this on anything factual, but like I would not fucking be surprised if some fucking consultant that was on the Bernie campaign. It's like they're giving the same bullshit strategy to a bunch of campaigns, Mm -hmm. unions, like nonprofits, blah, blah, blah. And it's just that, that continue to lose. But guess what? They keep getting paid. And yes. it fucking mean, sucks because you're just like talking about the the democratic playbook. Yeah. Like re- just keep selling your meanwhile, losing we're told strategies. over and over again that like they can't afford like union labor, but like they can continue to pay consultants that yep. like tell them how to lose. It's just so infuriating. So, yeah, like continue to call shit out. Um, and like again, like that there's a difference between learning like and figuring out like what is good strategy and like leftist infighting and this isn't what that is so yeah Yeah. and so basically if you find yourself on twitter calling a consultant a fucking idiot uh that's good if you find yourself questioning their iq yeah if you find yourself on twitter that was not what i said if you find yourself on twitter (laughs) as some fucking people on twitter doing calling the employees at amazon at the warehouse fucking idiots yeah, no, no, you're no, the no, fucking no. idiot and you're an asshole so that's no that's the convenient guide that you need to help you out yeah yeah no that's um, like that's like blaming voters in georgia and shit yeah. like that you know what i mean that's just like yep. stupid yeah fucking lazy yeah uh okay well that's that's been a good talk guys good talk. uh so you know everyone uh, every weekend, uh, Nikita for nine is going to be out knocking doors, I think. So, wow. uh, join me out there, me and Brian with a Y, uh, <laughs> and no doubt some other listeners also, you know, maybe we'll link to where you can sign up for Cassidy's, uh, pro act phone bank. Please. That her, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know if you know this, Cassidy's the president of a union local that is, uh, <laughs> involved in trying to pass the pro act. Um, and yeah, like, look, do I think it's not going to get through like very likely, but just like with the Bernie campaign, just like with the Amazon stuff, it's just like, we can either, you know, just like be sad and be like, Oh, it's not going to happen. Or we can fucking go all out DSA, IUPAT, like they're going all out. So go out with me, have some fun. You'll see me on the zoom call, smoking my bong, like having a great time. So, you know, if we learn lessons from losing, then that's okay. Yeah, right. and you know you are out there actually uh, building like organizing actual labor, like racking up numbers day after day. So uh, that's the real okay, that's but, the real fight. And can I just say too, though, like if you're somebody who maybe is a little nervous about phone banking, but like you want to do that sort of stuff for campaigns like Nikita's, this sort of phone banking is actually really rad because you're not phone banking for a candidate. You're just like, hey, do you think that workers should be allowed to organize? And people are like, uh, yeah. And then you're like, oh, well, then call your senator and tell them they fucking suck. And they're like, okay, sounds good. <laughs> um, so it's like the easiest phone banking you can do. Just saying. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, uh, 
We should also, oh, by the way, everybody, check out the new episode of the Cusack Cult Cast Ooh. with our friends who uh, Brian and I joined to talk about a really a masterpiece uh, John Cusack, Billy Bob Thornton movie called Pushing Tin. Yeah, a late 90s classic. Yeah, um, truly uh, a movie from a better time and a better world <laughs> uh, where, you know, uh, air traffic controller was the most macho masculine job. Everyone was a manipulative shit and no one had a care in the world. It was before 9-11. You wouldn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it rocks. Uh, so go check it out. Uh, QSAT Cult Cast. Yeah, awesome. Oh. We got a new patron. New patron alert. Yes, and William. I know who it is. His you, was this a friend of yours? Yeah, his name's actually Bill. I don't know why he put his like legal well, name. It's, it's I guess like, it's like you know, on his credit it's, card it's, properly. Sorry. Well, but. we we do ask for your name as it appears on your social security card, as well as all other information on that card. So Bill is literally like one of the smartest people I know. He also flew out to, or no, he didn't fly out to Iowa. So he used to live in Washington. Second smartest. Now, okay, fine. Now lives in Missouri. No, but he's like a lawyer, dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay but also he had to I, excuse me i'm a podcaster <laughs> craig is is really hurt to be now. fair um he did have to take the bar like multiple times but he finally got it <laughs> i'm, I'm sure Bill more and more no I'm sure i love Bill Bill. Appreciating no, all of he's this. awesome but he came out to iowa door knocked with me for a couple days um brought me some vapes from illinois because you can't get that in iowa um so thank you Crying. bill no i think he he had to hear the tea on what happened in Iowa too. Well, so. Bill, I yeah, I hope you're you enjoyed the uh, Iowa episode, uh, the the Iowa Wildcat Cassidy mm-hmm. bringing down the birding campaign episodes. Very good. So, if you want to be cool like Bill, you can go to our Patreon and for a mere five dollars, hear exactly how Cassidy destroyed any chance for us to have Medicare for all <laughs> in our lifetimes. Sorry, yeah. guys. So, because she had to <laughs> have bad. Uh, $15 an hour, basic human dignity, yeah. uh, and the rec, you know, the observance of a contract or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yep. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Bye. Yeah. yeah. Bye, Colin. Bye. Bye, Colin. <laughs> I'm here. Bye. Bye, Colin. <laughs> Bye, Colin. Bye, Bye Colin. And everybody tweet at Colin later. Bye, Colin. <laughs> yeah, Bye, Colin. please do. <laughs> Hashtag bye, Colin. (laughs) I think they did that for James Charles once. Hashtag bye, James Charles. Bye.